0: All right, as you guys find your ways, find your way to your seat, I just want to start this morning by uh, letting you guys know a couple things that are happening here in the life of River Rock Bible Church. Uh, This past year, it has been an amazing year for us uh, to see the faithfulness of God's people, and we have been praying all year long. Our our theme this year is discipleship. Make disciples is our theme. Uh, It's pretty crazy how uh, God gives us the Great Commission And we choose that as our theme for our church. That this year we wanted to have an intentional focus on making disciples. And God has really been working through that. This series on becoming a contagious Christian has been a big part of that. And God has been moving in some amazing ways. So far this year, we have seen eight people come to faith through the ministry and the people of River Rock Bible Church. That's awesome. We're praying that God would allow us to see 21 by, uh, by the end of August. And I believe that that could be a reality if we remain faithful. Most recently, I'm, I want to share, and I know their parents are in the room, but uh, I hope it's all right. I forgot to ask permission. So I'm just going to say it. Uh, Stephen and Renee's daughter, Galilee, trusted Christ a few weeks ago. And then JT and Christy's daughter, Aaron, also trusted Christ on the same day, right? It was the same day. Uh, so they're, they're one day apart. Okay, so they're, they're close friends, and uh, it was really cool to see those young girls, both in kindergarten, is that correct? Kindergarten, uh, put their trust in Christ. And then this past week, my wife got a text message. Many of you know Brittany Crosby. She's been going through chemo treatment after being diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And she's been sharing her faith and her story on uh, Facebook with the whole world to see and has not been shy about her faith. And this past week, she got a message from someone, uh, whom she's never met. And they said, Hey, thank you so much for adding me as a friend. I've, I've been following your story on Facebook, and I was so inspired. I, I've never had uh, anyone in my adult life encourage me spiritually. And so, for the first time uh, in my life, I went to church a few weeks ago, and I joined this small group. And because of you, I put my trust in Jesus Christ, and I've begun a relationship with God. Uh, because of your story. So people that that have never stepped through our doors, that we've never met, are being touched because of the faithfulness of people sharing their stories. And it's been amazing for me to see those things happen over and over and over again. Um, this past week, many of you noticed, my, some of you have been kind enough to let my daughter sit with you. She's decided, you know what, I like coming to big church uh, more than I like coming to Sunday school. So she comes into the service with us, and she's listening. She's paying attention. And it's been amazing uh, that This past week, uh, she came home and she said, um, I was in the garage working on something, and Amanda said, you need to come inside and and talk to your daughter. She's got something to share with you. And uh, she came in, and I said, what's going on? And she said, well, today at school, um, I shared the gospel with my friend Cammie. And I said, well, what'd she say? And she said, well, she said she has more questions, but she wants to know more. And here's the questions that she has. She wants to know uh, how she can become more like Jesus and how she can remember scriptures that will help her remember the gospel. And I said, well, we can help you with that. What do you think you could do uh, to, to help her uh, become more like Jesus? And she said, well, I'm going to bring my Bible, and when we get to sit next to each other at free time, we can read the Bible together. And then on Friday, she comes home and she said, Dad, I, I didn't tell you the whole story. She said, when I was at recess the last couple of weeks, I've noticed Cammie doesn't have anybody that plays with her. And so I went and asked her to play, if she would play with me at recess, and that's when I shared the gospel with her. And so here we have a six-year-old little girl who is so faithful. Uh, and, and I have to say, um, there are churches all over the country where I could be serving, uh, where I could be doing ministry, and my ministry would look a lot different. And I believe that um, the things that she's hearing, the things that she hears at the dinner table at home are because of the people of this church, because of the ministry that we have at this church. And so thank you, River Rock Bible Church, for your faithfulness, for the conversations that we have around the coffee pot, that we're not just talking about the latest sports scores, but we're talking about our friends and neighbors and coworkers that we're praying for to receive Christ, and that even our littlest ones are hearing that. My son Malachi also um, comes home and tells me about all of his friends that he's telling about Jesus, and it's just amazing to see that, and I know that that, that is a large part because of this church. So thank you very much. I'll get off my soapbox now, and we'll continue on with the message. We are in our Contagious series, and uh, I want to start this morning by sharing a story by Anne Lamont that she shares in her book, Bird by Bird. Many of you may have heard this story before, but if you'll bear with me, I I just think it's such a great story. She tells the story of an eight-year-old little boy whose younger sister is diagnosed with leukemia. And the parents come to the boy and say, look, the doctors say that she needs a blood transfusion, Uh, and we think you might be a good match. Would you have the test done to see if you're a good match for your sister's blood? And he says, yeah, I'll have the the test done. And so he has the test done, and sure enough, it comes back. He's a perfect match for his sister. And his parents say, look, uh, would you be willing to give your sister some of your blood? Because without it, she'll die. And he says, let me think about it overnight. And so he thinks about it overnight, and the next morning he gets up, and he says, you know what, Mom, Dad, I'll give her my blood. And so they take him into the hospital and they wheel him in on a gurney next to his sister who's already in the hospital and they begin to draw his blood and then they begin to transfer it into his sister. And the boy just kind of lays there for a little while and the doctor comes over and checks on him and just says, how are you doing? And he looks up at the doctor and he says, how soon until I start to die? The little boy thought that giving his blood to his sister meant that he would die and she would live. Yet he was willing to make that sacrifice. And of course the parents explained to him that that wasn't the case. And I love that story. We love stories of self-sacrifice. We love all those war movies where the, the hero gives his life for, for the other person. We're drawn to those types of stories. And there's no better example of that than that of Jesus Christ. In John fifteen thirteen, Jesus says, greater love, no one has a greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Later on in the Gospels, Jesus goes on to call his disciples his friends. And so we're going to look at a contagious message this morning, and we're going to look at the Gospel in a different way. This morning, then, we will next week. Next week, again, is Easter, and I hope that you bring your friends, neighbors, and coworkers because the gospel is going to be clearly presented, and we're going to give them the opportunity to respond to the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. But I want us to look at the gospel in a different way this morning because I think often what happens, especially for those of us who've been in the church for a while, is the gospel gets stuck up here, and it fails to make its way down here and bring the life change that we need. And so I think for us, in order for us to really have an understanding of the gospel this morning, before we, we begin to proclaim it to our friends and neighbors and co-workers, that we would understand the characters of the gospel. And there's four main characters that we're going to look at this morning that make up the gospel message. And the first character I want us to look at is God. It's a great place to start, isn't it? The first thing we need to know about God is that God is loving. God is loving. And in fact, Scripture says not only is God loving, but God is love. In 1 John 5, 8, it says this, this. Oh, that's the wrong verse. Well, in 1 John, it says God is love. God is love. And then it goes on and tells us that unless we love, if we do not love, we cannot claim to know God. Because God is love. He is love. And, and that it's a, such a beautiful thing that he is the embodiment of love. But that's not all God is. And unfortunately, so many times when we talk about God, people say, well, God is love, God is loving, and they stop there. And they describe God and they say, well, well, God is warm and, and fuzzy and, and safe and comforting. And let me tell you, if that is your only description of God is warm, safe, fuzzy, and comforting, you're not describing God, you're describing a Snuggie, right? That's a blanket. That's not God. God is not just warm and safe and fuzzy. He is absolutely loving and he is love, but that's not all he is. We know from scripture that God is also holy. God is holy. In Isaiah 6.3, we have the call of the prophet Isaiah, and he has this vision of heaven. And he sees God, and what he sees are angels that are standing around God going back and forth from one side of heaven to the other, and they're just flying back and forth. And all they're, dec- they're declaring is, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is also holy. And here's what that means. It means that he is perfectly pure. There is no sin, nothing impure, nothing unrighteous about him. He's the exact opposite of us. We are all impure. We are all unholy, unclean. But God is perfectly holy. God is perfectly holy in all that he does. And I have a a black truck. It's about 17 years old now. It's 2017, so it's 17 years old. I have this black pickup truck. Uh, and it was my wife's, now it's mine, and I love that thing. Every once in a while, about once a year, I'll take it out, and I'll wash it, clay bar, two coats of polish, uh, and, and then wax it, and it looks great. I mean, you, you think Back to the Future, Marty McFly, you know, two coats of wax, Biff, right? And, and it looks shiny and brand new uh, until the daylight hits it. Because if you've ever owned a black car, you know this. You can think it is clean. You can think you got all the swirl marks out. But as soon as the sunlight hits it, there they are. They're right there again. Or the fingerprints from where you shut the door the night before, right? It's there. There's no way to get it clean. How many of you have ever owned stainless steel appliances? You go to bed, you're like, oh, man, this looks great. This is clean. This is beautiful. And then you wake up and the sunlight hits it. And you're like, oh, man, there's no way that I'm never going to get this thing cleaned. And that's exactly how it is with God's holiness. When God's holiness shines on us, everything comes to bear. And we see that we are not like he is. It brings everything to light and we can see for exactly who we are. No matter how well we clean up our lives, we can try to convince ourselves that we have in order. But when we see our lives in the brilliance of God's holiness, we know That we are simply unclean. We're unclean. God is loving. God is holy. And the last thing I want us to see is that God is just. God is just. And and I think there's a great verse in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, says this. It says, The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are entirely just. A faithful God, without prejudice, he is righteous and true. We know from scriptures; it tells us often that his judgments are upright. What that means is that God's judgment does not lean to the left or to the right. He doesn't. He's not overly harsh. He's not. Uh, he's not overly lenient. But his judgments are true. They are righteous and they are just. He is the perfect judge. And here's the thing, is that someday every single one of us will stand before God. And there will never be a person who stands before God and says, God, that's, this isn't just, this is not fair, right? How many of you have kids? How many of you have kids? You ever give one of them one thing, like there's the last banana? And all four of them want that one banana. And you break that banana, you, I mean you pull out the ruler and it's one millimeter off. His piece is bigger than mine, that's not fair. Some of you said that this week, some of you said that this morning. That's not fair. How many of you have ever been at work and your boss comes and tells you, hey, uh, Joe's going to get the promotion instead of you, and you don't say anything but you're driving home and you're thinking, man, that's not fair. Let me tell you, there is never going to be someone who stands before God. And when the brilliance of his holiness shines on the the works of their life, there is never going to be someone who stands before God and says, God, your judgment is not fair. Because they will know that it's true. We sang it earlier, every knee will bow. Everyone will know that his judgments are righteous and true. They are fair. That brings us to us. Us. The second person that we're going to look at today. The Bible makes it clear that when God first created humans, he created them good, and not just good. After God created humans, it's the only time in in the creation account it says, and God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. God made us sinless. Yet because of our rebellion, because of our willful choice, we sinned against God, and we became sinful. We became sinful. Romans 6.23 It says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A wage. Any kids in here have allowance? You get allowance, right? That's a wage. That's something you earn. Your boss doesn't come to you at the end of the pay period and say, you know what, Scott, you've been working so hard, I want to give you this gift. And you're like, no, I've worked 60 hours a week for this gift. That's my wage. That's what I've earned. And the Bible says that because of our sinfulness that we have earned death. We deserve death. Romans 6.23 again. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life. This death that it's talking about here is both spiritual and physical death. It means because of our sin, we deserve separation from God in a very real place called hell. And unfortunately, there's even more bad news. The, the, the bad news gets worse in the fact that we are helpless spiritually. We are spiritually helpless. There's nothing we can do to help ourselves. There's no way that we can, on our own, change our own situation there are lots of people who try. They put their confidence in their good deeds, in the amount of money that they give, the amount of church services they attend. They they try to build things around them like their their charisma. And they build all these things around themselves thinking that it's going to keep them safe. In fact, I, I ran into a friend uh, this week at a coffee shop. And we were having a conversation, and this person just talked about how uh, they were building all these things, if they could just be good enough. If they could just love themselves and love other people enough, then they knew that they would get to heaven. And my heart broke as we sat there and we talked, and we talked about our broken lives, yet they they weren't able to come to a place where they could get past this idea that they could build a cage around themselves, that they could somehow protect themselves from God's justice, from God's holiness. And I thought about this clip that I saw a few weeks ago. We're going to watch this clip. How many of you guys have ever seen people dive with sharks? Anybody? Anybody in here say I would be brave enough to get in one of those cages? I think I might. At least I did until I saw this video. And we're going to watch this video without sound uh, because, well, there's, I think, a little bit of of language. So we're going to make sure the sound's off. We got that going. And we have this video here. There's the shark. And now he's in the tank. This is what it's like when we try to protect ourselves from God's holiness, from God's judgment, his justice, by building up our good works. There is a diver in the tank, by the way. Um, He is safe. That's not his blood coming out of the shark, thankfully. Uh, He is safe. And uh, in a little bit here, you're going to see he climbs out. And I think they just give him the wetsuit. They're like, bro, you can keep that. Uh, we don't want that back. Thankfully, he had the brown wetsuit on this day. Uh, so uh, that's yours to keep. So, uh, but that's exactly what it's like when we try to build our own safety net to protect ourselves from judgment from our sin. It just doesn't work. There's nothing, nothing that we can do to protect ourselves And so we get to the good news, and the good news is that God loved the world. He loves you and me enough to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, and that's the third person, is Jesus Christ. And what we need to understand about Jesus Christ is that he was uniquely qualified to solve our sin problem because he was fully God and fully man. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And it's important that we understand that reality because as God, as we've seen, he was perfectly holy. There was no sin in him. He was perfectly righteous. But as man, he was able to take our place on the cross. You see, in the Old Testament, they would offer animals as sacrifice, but it was never a permanent sacrifice. It it wouldn't last for very long. We know that in order for there to be forgiveness of sin, that there has to be the shedding of blood. And so Jesus comes, and as the sinless Lamb of God that we sang about earlier, he sheds his blood, taking our place on the cross, because as God, he is perfectly holy. As man, he's able to take our place on the cross and die for our sinfulness. And so what happens, right, you guys ready for a big word? We've been talking about this in youth group, right? It's actually two words, double imputation, right? 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 mind's blown, right? Big word. You just learned big words in church. So here's what it means. It means on the cross of Jesus Christ, God took his righteousness and placed it on us. And he took our sinfulness and placed it on Jesus Christ. So we have this double switch that takes place. We get God's righteousness on the cross and he gets our sinfulness and pays the penalty for us. Do you get it? He's taken our place. He died as our substitute. Jesus Christ he dies as our substitute because remember there's a price that has to be paid there's a penalty the wages of sin is death someone has to pay that penalty and here's the good news is that it does not have to be you because Jesus Christ has already paid that penalty for us he died as our substitute he dies as our substitute and the last thing we see is that um, this is the best part of the good news Not only not only is Jesus died on the cross as our substitute, taking the place of our sins, dying on our behalf, but He offers this gift freely to us. He offers forgiveness to us as a gift. He says, It's yours. Take it. It's here. And here's the thing about about forgiveness it's not automatic, but it is freely available. You think about giving someone a Christmas gift, and and you give it to them, and you stand there and you hold it out, and they can walk away and say absolutely nothing, and leave the gift there. They don't own that gift. In order to take that gift, in order for it to become yours, you have to receive it. You have to receive it and say, "This is mine." And so, through faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone, we receive that gift. Now, a lot of times I hear people say, how come God can't just forgive and forget? Why can't God just forgive and forget? And I need a volunteer. Do I have any volunteers this morning? Anybody want to raise their hand and volunteer? All right, Maddie, come on up, Maddie. Give her a hand. We're going to have some fun. Front row, you might want to cover your eyes. All right, so Maddie, come on up. You're going to put these on. All right. And I did get permission from my son, so if you see Bear, tell him thank you. He, he was very willing to let me use this. Apparently I grabbed the wrong car, but he, he said I could have this one. All right, and so Maddie, I want you to pretend you, you have a car now, right? Yeah. Okay, and it's big blue, right? That's no. it? No, Betty. Betty, all right, Betty. All right, and so I want you to pretend that someone were leaving the parking lot in a hurry, and they sideswiped your car messed it up big time Mm -hmm. you're not even 16 yet you're not even driving it right and you say you know what i know you're in a hurry i forgive you forget about it all right but i want you to pretend what does that car look like after someone so i just want you to smash that car smash that car for me as hard as you can just smash it don't be afraid i mean go for it go for it Ah. let's try that again (laughs) turn it this way here we go there you go just smash that bad boy No, you got to, you got to, I mean, get it. Like I want (laughs) to. There we go. All right, we got a wheel broken off. (laughs) Let me see here. Let's see if I can do this. You ready? Cover your eyes. Wow, this thing's harder than I thought. There it goes. It's broken in half, but. (laughs) There we go. Sorry, Tony. Why can't God just forgive and forget? If you see the problem with this illustration, I want you to take 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you, and say, and tell them what the problem is with this. All right, 30 seconds, go. Why can't God just forgive and forget? All right, so what's the problem? Why can't why can't God just forgive and forget? What's the problem? Somebody call it out. It's still broken. Somebody still has to pay. She's stuck with either a broken car that doesn't work or a hefty repair bill that now she has to pay. And here's the great thing is that if this car is our soul, our dinged, dented, bruised, scratched up soul, God says, you don't have to pay. I'll pay for it. I will take care of it. I'll get it fixed. It's taken care of. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that God does it himself. Jesus in Matthew twenty twenty eight says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He paid the price for our souls so that we wouldn't have to walk around with bruised, battered Scratched and dented souls. That's the beauty of the gospel. And so finally, we come to you. We come to you. The ball is in your court. It's up to you to decide. Jesus has paid the price of salvation for the whole world, but each one of us must respond. You must respo- respond personally. Imagine getting to an airport. You and your family are gonna to go to Disney World, you're gonna to fly to Orlando, you get to the airport and you say, you look at those windows and you say, I believe that that plane can take off and carry me to Orlando, and I I can see everything, like I can explain the aeronautics, I can explain the physics of how it works, and I believe it. Let me ask you, is your belief in that airplane going to get you to Orlando? No. You've got to get on that plane. You've got to put it into action. You've got to have faith that that plane is going to get you there. You've got to get on board. And Jesus offers us the free gift of salvation and here's the thing is that we have to get on board through faith. We simply say, you know what? I'm going to transfer my trust from my good works, from my church attendance, from my giving of money, from being a good person. I'm going to transfer my trust from From that on to Jesus Christ and say that the only thing that is going to get me to heaven is his completed work on the cross, that he died in my place. That's what I'm trusting in to get me there. You must respond. You must respond. And sadly, there are so many people who think that it's by keeping rules and rituals, and they think because I was born into a Christian family that that's good enough. And let me tell you that your mom and dad's faith is not enough to save you. Your spouse's faith cannot save you. It must be your own. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, he says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, didn't, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and add many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. So Jesus says on that day when when we stand before God, there are going to be many people who say, Lord, didn't I go to church every Sunday? Didn't I give money to the poor? Didn't I go on the mission trip to Mexico? And he's going to say, yeah, but you were missing one key ingredient. And that was faith in me. John fourteen six he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Where's your trust? Where's your trust? So you must respond. You must respond, trusting Christ alone as your Savior. Christ and Christ alone as your Savior. And the Bible tells us that when we put our trust in Christ alone as the Savior, the Holy Spirit immediately takes up residence within us. And he begins guiding and directing our lives. And I, I love this last one. We get to experience spiritual transformation. That's why we talk about the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ here at River Rock Bible Church. It's because we know that your eternal life is changed when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we also believe that God wants to change your life now. He wants you to experience life change now. And I love John five twenty-four. This is one of my favorite verses And this is the New American Standard Version. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears these words of mine and believes him who sent me has eternal life, does not come into judgment, and has passed from death to life. Now let me ask you, these verses are about someone who has put their trust in Jesus Christ. He says, If you believe the words of God the Father who says that I'm sending my son Jesus Christ to die for your sins, if you put your trust in him, in him alone, does it say will have or has eternal life? That means you have it. You don't have to look forward to it. If your trust is in Jesus Christ and Christ alone, you have eternal life. Next one, he says, does not come into judgment. Does that say will not or does not? Does not. Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, if you've put your faith in Christ, in Christ alone, when you stand before God, Romans 20, the great white throne judgment, when you stand before God, he's going to say, welcome. You are forgiven. You are forgiven because Jesus has already paid the penalty for you. He's already paid the penalty. It's taken care of. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And lastly, it says, does it say, will pass or has passed from death to life? has passed from death to life. That's why when we celebrate baptism, we say buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life because we know that that eternal life that we look forward to, the resurrection, is not just for the future. It's for today that you can walk in a new life. And I want to challenge you, if you're here this morning, perhaps, you, perhaps you're one who says, you know what, I'm, I'm like that guy standing at the airport. I, I, bel- I, I have an intellectual faith. I know all these things are true, but I just haven't been able to take that step of faith. I want to challenge you. Today's the day. Maybe you're here and you've said, you know what, my parents, I always thought that just because my parents took me to church as a kid that I was, I was good with God, or because I was giving a lot to the church that God would forgive me. And man, don't leave here today. Don't leave here today without asking your questions, finding out answers, doing whatever's necessary to help you take that step. To put your trust in Christ and Christ alone. Because there's nothing more important than this right here. Nothing could be more important. Because without Christ, we're all walking around with these broken souls. Just like this car. But God says, God says, I want to heal it. I want to pay the price. I have paid the price. Will you simply receive that free gift? Next week, as we come to celebrate Easter, we'll celebrate the resurrection. We'll hear the gospel message again, and I'm praying this week. Would you spend time in prayer? Perhaps you're here, and you, you've said, you know what? I know that to be true. I've put my trust in Christ in Christ alone. I'd ask that you would reflect on what that means to you and how that's impacting your life, and then share that with someone else and invite them to be here next Sunday.